And we're going to talk about uh, a pretty interesting uh, subject this morning. We're going to talk about technology. And if you had to, on a scale of, we'll, just, we'll go one hand, one to five, one being not so much and five being, uh, yeah, big time. <laughs> How much would you say technology plays a role in your life on a, a scale of one to five? Show me on your fingers. <laughs> nice. Lots of people offering me high fives over here. Excellent. Um, yeah, technology plays a, a pretty massive role uh, in our lives. And, and thus far in our exploration of, of the Lordship of Jesus, His rule of your life, we've crossed, uh, crossed over two topics that Scripture addresses pretty specifically, uh, that uh, Jesus is Lord of relationships and how He transforms your relationships. Uh, we also talked about your abilities and your talents and your interests. Those things are dealt with pretty directly in Scripture. Technology isn't dealt with as specifically. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to be extracting some principles from Scripture, and then we're going to look to apply them because Jesus is Lord of technology. And that means more than just smartphones and computers, but it definitely also applies to those things. So what is technology, and why is it more than just smartphones and computers? Does anyone want to try to give us a definition of technology? So it does do that, but I think we can do better for a definition. That's good, though. Good place to start because it's in my notes. So uh, that's a good answer. Let's add to it, though. Bryce? Okay, so you're, you're thinking more uh, modern digital technology. There, there, there was a key word in there that that was digital technology. What is just technology in general? Anything that simplifies our lives. Pretty much, yes. Uh, it's, it's taking scientific principles to advance the human cause and make work easier. Um, hard to believe it, but at one point, shovels were cutting-edge technology. <laughs> um, and now, shovels are still pretty much shovels, but they're even nicer. Uh, when I was working construction, I often <clears throat> got to got to mix concrete together. Uh, and the first time I did it, I wasn't told that you should, if you're doing it in the wheelbarrow, uh, you should only do it with one bag of concrete first. And I was trying to do two bags at one time with a stainless steel shovel with a carbon fiber pole. It was a really nice shovel. And well, you look at my arms and you, hey, there's, there's not a lot of muscle there. Well, in high school, there was even less muscle there. And so I was, using the leverage of the wheelbarrow to push down on the shovel to turn the concrete over and keep mixing it. And well, when that carbon fiber shattered, boy, did it shatter. <laughs> and uh, my boss was not too happy. But technology is supposed to make our lives easier. It's this, this advancement through scientific progress. And Jesus says, I'm Lord of everything. And so that includes technology which means before we kind of rush into this, uh, I want to build a kind of sketch a little theological framework of technology. I think you've got eight things there in your notes. Uh, we'll, we'll be on those uh, for just a short amount of time. We'll, we'll go through these pretty quickly. Someone read that first one for us. 
Excellent. Someone try to explain what on earth Pastor Daniel is trying to say when he says that in three words, that technology modifies creation. It can create drama, but that's not what I was trying to say. That would certainly be a modification of, of creation by uh, drama through technology. Cloning or hybrid plants? Oh, yeah, that, that's very specific, um, which is good. But it's even just the creation mandate. This is what the Lord said after he created Adam and Eve. He basically told them, show the earth who's boss. You be the boss of the earth. You're in charge. Cultivate it. Make it fruitful. Um, this is why I am very passionate that Christians should have good-looking yards. It's a, it's a good way of saying, you know what? I'm going to show the earth who's boss because the Lord says, you're the boss of the earth. <laughs> so let's, let's get to it. Uh, and it started out with sticks and shovels and rocks and beating things until we fashioned lots of very technical things. Now we have combines and we have tractors driven by GPSs and we have all kinds of things that help us modify creation. Could be good, could be bad. The second one there says technology pushes back some of the results of the fall. What is the fall? with a capital F. It sounds pretty ominous. There you go. Adam and Eve sinning in the garden. So how does technology help us push back some of the curses from Adam and Eve's sin? That's that's very true. Uh, every time I'm uh, weeding, I go, thank you, Adam. And then I go and I grab the Roundup and I go, oh, this is much easier. <laughs> Technology helps us push back some of the results of the fall. Now, uh, third one, technology advances human power. Right? Technology isn't just limited to farm equipment or to smartphones. Uh, we've got all different instruments of war. Um, tech brought tractors, but it also brought atomic weapons. And we have this advancement of human power. We are capable of more now than we used to be. That's the result of technology. All right, number four, someone read that one for us. It helps to edify souls. Right, very quickly, what's the word edify mean? I'm seeing shrugs. To build up, good. So how does technology edify souls. Well, there's, there's lots of different directions that you could go with that statement, but just for instance, uh, the, some of the first technology that was used to edify souls, it was two tablets of stone, and there were 10 very important rules written on it. And now we've got those rules and a whole lot more on this, and you can flip through the pages and you can go, what chapter are we in? And technology can be used for good to edify, to build up our souls uh, in the Lord. Number five here, I, I am very glad about this one, that technology upholds and empowers our bodies, right? If I wasn't wearing my contacts on Wednesday, how far do you think we would have gotten on the way up here? About 200 yards and we would have been in the ditch. Yeah, <laughs> it would not have been far. Technology upholds my body in lots of different ways. Uh, we've got glasses, we've got pacemakers, we've got hearing aids. We have all of these things to, 
to uphold and keep our bodies functioning um, well. Uh, then number six, this one's pretty interesting as well. We're going to revisit this one, but I briefly want to touch on it. Technology can shape our relationships. Do you guys agree that technology can shape a relationship that you have with somebody else? Big time. Big time positively or big, big, big time negatively, unfortunately. We're going to revisit that one, but keep that one in mind as we continue to build this little framework for us to hang some thoughts on. Number seven, would someone read that one for us? Technology shapes our theology. Technology shapes our theology. Now, this one's kind of ambiguous, but, well, at least when it's stated like that. But in Scripture, frequently uh, we see metaphors for God, and they're linked to nature, and sometimes they're linked to technology. So some of those modern metaphors linked to technology about God that have dramatically shaped theology. Uh, two of them have to do with a watch. Now, I really like watches. Um, I have probably too many watches. But my favorite watch, it has a automatic winding motion, which means if I do this, it'll keep going. <laughs> That's all that, that means. But if I stop doing this, I have to wind this little dial on the side. And some people use this analogy for God, that God is this watchmaker, that he puts all these intricate pieces together, he winds it up, and then he just lets it go. Now, that is a metaphor that shaped a lot of people's theology in the wrong way. Because God doesn't step away from his creation. Um, Colossians says that Jesus is holding it all together. But there's also good metaphors that we could do with that. We might do that a little bit later. And then lastly, he would read number eight for us. This is a huge point. Technology is subject to God's sovereignty. In other words, God controls everything, and one of the things that fits underneath that umbrella of everything is technology. The cruelest piece of technology ever invented was probably the Roman cross. And you know what the Lord said? that is going to be a key to my plans for the world. I'm going to use the cruelest piece of technology that man can think of, and I'm going to make it a central part of my plan of redemption. That's sovereignty to say, I'm going to take something that's wicked and horrible and meant to be excruciating, and I'm going to use it for the best part of my plan. Technology is subject to God's sovereignty. And one of the ways that we know this, this is one of the reasons I needed you to have your Bibles. Would you turn to 1 Corinthians and we're going to read it. Not the whole book. Verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 31. If you've been to the wilds, you certainly know this one. Yeah, there you go. It is. You say it at all the meals because it talks about eating and drinking. And we've had some good eating and drinking up here, so we should be grateful for that. But it says more than that, too. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whatever version you've got, we're going to read it. They'll, they'll all be close enough here. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Right? Uh, it's, they all, people, and it bugs me when they do it, but they often say, um, start throwing out random Greek words um, 
just just in the middle here. Um, but this verse is pretty easy. You don't have to know Greek to know that the word all means all. <laughs> Which means that technology, again, falls into this category of something that we are supposed to do and use for the glory of God. But if you were paying attention for those first eight, you will have realized that technology can be used for good, dramatic good, or very dramatic bad. That part is clear. But if technology is subject to God's sovereignty, and guess what? It is. And if you as a Christian say, you know what? Jesus is going to be the Lord, the ruler over my life. I'm going to submit myself to him. Well, then we need to discuss how technology, which many of you said is five fingers out of five, a huge part of my life. Well, we should probably talk about how we could submit that to Jesus's lordship. And in order to do that, this is what we're going to do. Just at the start, we need to look, before how we can use it for positive, we need to look at some of the dangers of technology. And a lot of this material, uh, I have a, a really helpful book. I, I drew some of it from that book, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, is really good. Adriana, what's the first danger of technology there in bold print? Yes. How many of you would say my phone or my laptop or my TV or my fill-in-the-blank with technology? It could even be your tractor for all I care. How many of you would say technology distracts me sometimes? Unfortunately, yes. Um, and if I could raise my hand for each of you, I would also do that because sometimes it becomes a distraction during Sunday school um, when you're on your phones and you're doing that and not just... Yeah, so I, I know how much of a distraction it can be, but it can be such a good tool. But this is one of the dangers, is that our cell phones and other pieces of technology, specifically those that are backlit with a screen, we become addicted to them and they distract us. Um, it makes it pretty easy too. It's not like we have to work hard to be distracted by technology. Um, often we, we welcome those distractions into our lives. And sometimes we need distractions, something to relax our mind. But once our mind is amply relaxed, um, we continue letting it distract us. Um, it, could, it could push work away. It can push people away. It can push our own thoughts away. And that can be good for a very short period of time. But once we do that methodically over and over again, we get so distracted that we forget what the, the grand scheme of life is supposed to be all about. Now, quick question. Can you be distracted by something that is good? Yeah, you can. Uh, and I want us to turn just briefly to uh, a passage in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 10. We're just going to look briefly at a little snippet of Mary and Martha. Two women who are both trying to do good things, and one of them got distracted by the wrong thing, even though it was a good thing. I'm going to read verse 38, and then we're going to have uh, Melanie read verse 39, and then Taryn, and then we'll just go around here in this front room. Those who are not the back row Baptists, you'll... You'll do a great job reading here. I'll read verse 38 and the Melanie will go next. 
Now, as they went on their way, Luke 10, verse 38, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Pause. What was that key word in there? Martha was distracted. Okay, now what was she distracted with? Martha was serving Jesus. Is that a good thing? <laughs> Absolutely. But she was so distracted that she didn't do something. What did she not do? You can see it in verse 39. She didn't do what Mary was doing. What was Mary doing? She was listening. <laughs> She was communing with the Lord. Well, if we can get distracted by good things and by extremely distracting things, I think we can fall into that same trap that Martha fell into. That we can be so distracted by the things that are right in front of us that we forget to sit and listen and commune with Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis. If you wake up first thing in the morning and you go, hmm, I really want to hear the voice of the world and my friends, and you never say, hmm, I should probably hear the voice of Jesus from his word, then you might be addicted to technological distractions. That's the first da uh, danger, that we can be addicted to distraction. Let's see here. Bryce, what's the second one? It's in bold there for you. Number two. Ignore people around you. Do you think it's pretty easy to use your phone as an excuse to ignore people that are close to you? Hang on, I'm getting a call. No, you're not. I see your screen is on. and <laughs> it, it can be very easy to use technology as an excuse to ignore the people all around you. And the very people that God has called us to love. Uh, sometimes when it's between services... Uh, between Sunday school and the morning service, and I see people uh, sitting in their chairs and they're just looking at their phone for 15 minutes. I want to go up there and I just want to shake them and say, find someone to love. <laughs> go encourage somebody. There are people here who have been struggling all week. Go talk and love them and encourage them. Um, because if keeping up with friends or keeping up with sporting events, if, if any of that is hindering your ability to love the people that God has put right in front of you, then you're falling into this trap that technology sets for you to ignore the people who are around you. And it's sinful because you're not allowing Christ's rule in your life to transform every area, including technology. So we can be addicted to distraction. We can ignore people around us. Let's see, uh, Landon, number three. Crave immediate approval. I like that word crave. I don't really like the cereal crave, but I like, I like the word crave. It's this intense desire for something, and our phones 
and our computers and even、um, TVs, especially, they make us crave immediate approval from somebody else. Because this is an awesome tool to get lots of people's opinions very quickly.、Right? If you accomplish something that you think is notable, that you think is worthwhile or, or worthy of being applauded, it, you can publish it for others to see, and almost immediately you get approval or at least feedback through likes and follows and all these other things. Or you go through something rough in life and you moan about it in a way that others can see online and you hope for sympathy and likes and comments and all these other things. And your phone is really good at getting all of that feedback, all of that approval, all of that sympathy back to you. But this is the thing is that God's word tells us. He tells us that if we're seeking approval from the world and from others, we're seeking it in the wrong place.、Um, and even further than that, he says that if we're Uh, seeking approval from others for our accomplishments, we can forget about being rewarded by Him for those accomplishments. All right, this one's in your booklet. Let's see,、uh, I'll have Kurt read Matthew 6 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. All right, let's, let's break this verse right at the, right at the period. What is the, the first sentence of this verse saying? Yeah, if, if you're working in front of others, like, that's okay because a lot of times you have to work in front of others, but don't be doing it to be seen by them, for them to congratulate you on all that you're accomplishing. Why? That's the second sentence. Why should we not do that? Why should we not seek the approval of the world? Because if we do that, it steals our reward, the best reward.、Uh, and this is, this is something that happens、uh, frequently. It, it's so easy for us to do something good and take a photo and, and put it up. I'll go for the stereotypical example here. You go on a mission trip. And you paint an orphanage and you take a photo in front of it and you start talking、uh, about all the awesome things that you've been able to do. Now, there is a way to do it in a way that brings glory to God. You can thank God for all that He's allowed you to accomplish and the people that you've been able to serve. But if you just go, hey, look what I did, I painted and I had fun. And God says, poof, all that reward that you had stored up in heaven. By seeking the approval of people, it's vanished. And that's a horrible, like a, a pitiful exchange. Exchanging the approval of God for seeing some likes on a post. Number four here, let's do、uh, anyone. <laughs> What's the fourth danger of technology? Uh, get comfortable in secret sins. This is what our God and I time is really going to key in on through a passage in, in Jude.、Uh, it talks about people who are coming into the church and they're saying, Hey, God's given you lots of grace. So use that grace to sin.、Um, but technology is really good at giving us a sense of privacy. I can look at anything I want, I can say anything I want. 
Nobody will even know. Well, one, technologically speaking, that's not true. It doesn't matter how many VPNs you have. It doesn't matter um, what keystrokes you hit to open a, a web page that can't be tracked because there's no such thing as privacy. And then secondly, more importantly, spiritually speaking, it's not true when you say, well, no one will even know. No one will be hurt. You can't do anything and keep it from the all-seeing eyes of God. Do we know that theoretically in our heads? Do we know that we can't hide anything from God? I, I hope so. And yet, there's still that temptation from technology and from our hearts to indulge in sin and think we're doing it secretly and freely. And then once we do that, you know what Satan does? He says, you're guilty. You're worthless. Repentance is too costly. He says, oh, sin is free. And then when you sin, he goes, ooh, mm, not good. Don't repent. It's going to be too costly. And this is the, the classic lies and the cycle that Satan would have you believe. It's this lie. And you need to realize that Christ offers this hope and this freedom to serve him, not to indulge in secret sins. And this is the thing. If you get bored with Jesus, and I'm afraid that a lot of Christians get bored with Jesus from time to time, maybe more way more frequently than they should. But if you get bored with your relationship with Christ and you're not, it's not becoming your greatest joy, well, it won't be long before your own heart starts going, hmm, there's some digital thrills that can await you and you can do it totally secretly. And it's this lie that sin wants you to believe. That's the fourth danger. And let's look at this fifth one here. Technology makes us lose a sense of time. I just, I want you to think and not answer this out loud because I have a feeling I would be very discouraged if you answered this one out loud. <laughs> what is the longest amount of time that you have scrolled on your phone without a break? Somehow, technology strips meaning out of time. You can scroll for 30 minutes on your phone and it feels like 30 seconds. And if consistently you find yourself throwing eight or even more hours a day down the drain staring at your phone and TV or your console, you're believing this lie that you have time to kill. But Jesus, who is the Lord of your life, he says, you don't have time to kill. You only have time to redeem. TikTok, Reels, Snapchat, those tend to be the greatest offenders in this area. Video games as well. They're not inherently evil. Those things can be used for good. Guess what? I run the social media stuff and I post reels. I know I'm wicked and horrible and no good. Uh, I want there to be good things for people to find on the internet because there's a whole lot of bad things for them to find. But if you leave each of these issues unmonitored, they will consume your time with what is worthless. And Jesus says, no, no, no. There's not room for even one careless or thoughtless word or action. Look at Matthew chapter 12. It's in your booklet there. Verse 36. This is what Jesus is uh, saying. He says, I tell you, 
that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, you will uh, be set free or innocent, and by your words you will be condemned, you will be guilty. And this is what Jesus is saying, that as you get distracted or as you lose sense of time and as you allow yourself to get very careless and sloppy with your thoughts and with the things that you say and with what you feed yourself, he says, all of that carelessness that you made room for in your heart, all of it, it's all going to come up at Judgment Day and you will have to tell Jesus where the time went, where all your words went. And he says, every single careless one, it will be judged. So in all of these dangers, I kind of boiled them down to five. We could do even more. But when all of these dangers, all five of these, collide for hours upon hours as you look at the TV, the computer, the phone, the console, it begins to distort your identity and it pushes you to two things. It pushes you to be isolated and to be lonely. And really this brings us to the very center of this issue. If Satan would like to use technology in your life to destroy you, to make you lonely, to, to change your perspective of who you are, to make you isolated, make you selfish, then as believers, how are we supposed to recognize Jesus' call to use technology for good? Because right, this, is, this is the great commandment. Uh, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he says, the first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Technology can help, but there's a whole lot of dangers that really hurt that area. And the second one is to love people in the same way that you love yourself. And guess what? Technology can help us, but a lot of times it very much distracts us from this. And Satan wants to isolate us and make us selfish and, and distort our identity. So how, as Christians, are we supposed to use technology for good? How can we accomplish the two great commandments of loving God and loving others when there are so many dangers with technology. So this is what I want to do for the remainder of our time here. I just want to ask some questions about the way that we use technology. I've got three very broad questions, and underneath them I have some more uh, concrete questions with, with more examples. So here's the first question. This should, this should be a question that you ask yourself frequently as you're trying to submit to the Lordship of Jesus through your use of technology. Here's the first question. Is the way I'm using my smartphone or tablet or computer, fill in the blank with your technology, is the way I'm using my technology, is it moving me toward God or away from God? Now, now here's what that would look like if we filled in the blank with a more specific example. Do I use my smartphone as a tool to help me grow in my walk with God, or does it distract me from my walk with God? When I wake up first thing in the morning and I look at my phone, is it, is it helping me to pursue my walk with God, to be in the Word, or is it saying, you know what would be really good right now? 
30 minutes of Instagram. Is the way I'm using my fill-in-the-blank technology moving me toward God or away from God? Or do I find myself seeking to digest social media first thing in the morning or digest God's word first thing in the morning? Those are some, some concrete examples of what that question looks like in the real world. See, so Sherry, you want to read our second big question there? Yeah, we, we've talked about how it's very easy to use our phones to build up things that are worthless. So we need to ask this question. Am I using this powerful tool to edify my own heart and other people's hearts to build us up or to build up things that are totally worthless? Right? Specific examples of this. The comments that I'm leaving on other people's posts are they encouraging? Or are the comments that I'm reading on my post, are they encouraging? Because guess what? If you're constantly posting things and seeing comments that hurt your heart, maybe don't post. Because <laughs> it's not building anything of lasting value. You know what it's building? Bitterness, loneliness, isolation, resentment. Second specific question of this kind. Are my technology habits, are they sucking the joy from my life so that when others look at me, they can't see the joy of Jesus? This is a big one. Especially when you go back up to that fourth danger of getting comfortable in secret sins. Guess what? When you get comfortable in secret sins, it steals all your joy. And when people look at you, there is no joy in Jesus. And so if you find your habits for how you use technology stealing your joy, something has to change. But a third concrete example, are the apps that I use most frequently, are they distracting me from God's purposes for my life? Right? Personal example. You know what app I probably use um, well, it's probably on my, my top three apps on my phone. Duolingo. Yeah. Learning Chinese one word at a time, and it's very slow going. <laughs> Why am I trying to learn Chinese? What if it's just because I want to be cool? <laughs> and I want to be able to order in Chinese at a Chinese restaurant. Is that, that's not really a good reason. Um, but I think because of that person right there, that maybe I might need to be able to speak Chinese in the future. <laughs> and I think it's not distracting me from God's purpose. It might be opening a pathway for more purpose in my life. And so I have to ask that question frequently. Is, what I, is the app I'm using right now, is this distracting me from God's purpose for my life in this moment? All right, our last big question, Taryn, how about you read it for us? Number three. Because of what Christ has done in your life, if you are a Christian, do you have immense freedom? Yes. <laughs> Good. It took a little while to see some heads going. But yes, you do. You have immense freedom. But when you use this, 
Does it reveal that you have freedom to love and serve Christ? Or does it say, hey, there's a previous lifestyle of sin that's waiting for you. And here's how we can make it more applicable. Are my friends on Snapchat or the accounts that I follow on Instagram, are they feeding the parts of me that Christ calls me to kill because they're sinful? Are, are my friends constantly using language as they're talking to me, as they're texting or on Snapchat, and, it, and it's changing the way that I talk, and Christ says, no, no filthy communication. The accounts that I follow, the people that I interact with on social media, do they feed the parts of my heart that God has told me to kill because they're sinful? Does my internet history reveal that I love the Lord or that I love my sin? And lastly, do the shows that I stream, do they change my sense of humor to something that is filthy? There's a whole bunch of different ways we could go with the shows that I watch. Do they do this? Do they do this? Do they do this? One of the sneakiest ways that what we watch changes us is revealed through our humor. It makes us find things that are crass and disgusting very funny. And Jesus says, I am the Lord of your life. Everything must be submitted to me. Are you allowing him to be the Lord of technology? Let's pray and we'll split up into some small groups and we'll do some discussion um, for our, our God and I time. And those who are, are leading some of those discussions, um, use, use discretion as you ask personal questions. Not, not every question is necessarily meant to be answered out loud. So let's pray and then we'll, we'll split up and spend some time with the Lord. Father, thank you for your word that it gives guidance for every area of life. Lord, those two great commands to love you above all else and to love others in the same way that we want to be loved, Lord, that gives so much guidance for our lives. And so often it's easy to find our use of technology a distraction, to be seeking approval from all the wrong places, to get comfortable in sins that we think others don't know about. There are so many ways that we can use technology to damage our own hearts. And Lord, we don't want that. We want to submit the use of technology to you so that you could help us use it to edify our own hearts, to edify the hearts of others. Lord, it's such an immense gift. It has made lives so much easier in, in many different ways. And we're thankful that you have given us the mandate to tell the world and the earth who is boss and to continue to grow and expand our capabilities. But would you help us to do it in a way that is submitted to your rule and your reign in our lives? Bless our time as we study and discuss some of these things together. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.